0: I've got a word today, okay. Um, and we've been do, we've been doing a series on prayer. Um, I don't know if you remember. A couple of about four weeks ago, actually, this is when we started it. We, we watched a short video by our senior pastor Andy Elms, and he shared um, just sort of a, 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 a like a broad brush about the journey that we're on and about prayer. And he was he spoke about how the church. This is the church, this church, the church of Jesus Christ was born in prayer, and we can read about that in Acts chapter 2. And then um, the week after that, we had Carla join us, and she was just so full of fire and zeal, and she was just so passionate about her subject, it was really good to have her with us, and she shared on just some 10 principles of prayer, and uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I thoroughly Enjoyed the message. it was really good. and then last week, Chris shared a message on Lord, teach us to pray and I thought I wasn't in the service, but I've listened to it and I thought it's absolutely brilliant. It was such a message, um, and talking about the most important aspect of prayer is knowing who we're praying to that's so important that, as a child of God, that we are praying to our heavenly Father. And throughout the series, what we want to try and establish is that prayer is not just a bolt-on to family church, but like the the Bible talks about in Matthew 21, that we will be known as a house of prayer, as a house of prayer. And this is a corporate one as a church, but also as an individual, it's an individual call. So today, I've got the privilege. Of um, speaking about personal prayer, and in our Bibles, in Matthew five, six, and seven, is one of the longest discourses that Jesus speaks about. That Jesus enters into. It's three chapters. It's 111 verses. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody familiar with this? Blessed are the you know the attitudes and all that type of thing. But for for th- three chapters. Um, Jesus um, enters into this long discourse. And in the middle, exactly in the middle of these 111 111 verses, um, Jesus speaks to his disciples about prayer. And he says these very important words. Next week we'll sort out something with the screen. The words weren't very easy to see because we need to do something with the blinds behind us. But it's okay, Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says these words. He says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Okay? Heard that one before good? Are we good? And so, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of heaven. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. And um, But when he's speaking to the disciples in this particular verse, in Matthew 6, verse 6, he's addressing them as individuals. He's addressing them as individuals. He says, but you, when you pray, and if you look up the original Greek in the, in the Strong's Concordance, you'll see that that word for you is singular. It's the second person singular. It's not, whereas a couple of verses later, what Chris shared last week on the Lord's Prayer, it's very much plural. He says, Our Father. Remember that, Our Father. And, and throughout that prayer, he says, Give us this day, forgive us our trespasses, lead us not into temptation. But in this particular verse, when he says, but you, when you pray, it's singular, singular. So there's a place for corporate prayer, just a few verses after this, in fact, there's place for corporate prayer, and we'll cover that in the weeks ahead. But today we're focusing on our personal prayer life. So prayer is, is not something that the Christian has to do. It's not a list of rules we have to pray, but it's something we do. It's something that we do, and not only do we do it, we want to do it, (laughs) and we desire to do it. You know, I think of um, Daniel when um, he, he was at risk, in fact, he landed up going to the lion's den, because he went upstairs to the upper room against the decree of the king, and he opened up his windows when, he was, when it was told, you're not allowed to pray to your God. And what did he do? He went up to his upper room, and he opened up his windows, and he was defiant. But he was a man of God, because he just loved praying. He just loved praying. And so we need to be a bit like Daniel. Daniel. And desire to pray, desire times with the Lord. You know, even in Acts chapter 2, we saw um, when we had uh, the One Family Conference, we shared again about the blueprint of the church. And we see in Acts chapter 2 that, that they devoted themselves, the, 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 the believers devoted themselves to prayer, they devoted themselves. And all throughout the Bible, we see other examples of people who devote themselves to prayer. And I think of two examples in Luke's gospel. There's these two people. One is called Simeon, and the other one is called Anna. And um, Simeon, um, this is in Luke, Luke chapter 2, Simeon is a devout Jew. He's a devout Jew. He was a, he was a righteous guy. He was a good guy. He had a real heart for God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said to him, Simeon, you're not going to die until you've seen Messiah face to face. You're not going to die until then. And Simeon devoted himself to a life of prayer. Anna, Anna was an 84 year old prophetess. And the Bible says she didn't depart from the temple. And But she served God with fastings and prayers night and day, night and day. In other words, this is church on a Sunday. We're not going to go home after this. We're going to stay here till tomorrow morning, and we're going to pray, right? Who's with us? Come on, there's one, there's two. Praise God, we two or more agree. This is it. But this is what Anna did. She devoted herself. There was this widow who devoted herself to prayer, and she literally made her home in the temple. That's where she lived, night and day, praying, seeking God, and these two people are called out as people who devoted themselves to prayer, and what happened to both of these two? They got to recognize Jesus as a Messiah. They held Jesus as a baby, And recognized him as the Messiah. Um, Just think about that. There's a lady at the back there. She's got a little baby. How old is that baby? Six weeks old. I don't know how old Jesus was. He was still a baby. When um, Joseph and Mary brought brought Jesus to the temple. Anna and Simeon were in the temple devoting themselves to prayer. They They had... They knew they were going to see Messiah. How did they recognize that this little baby was Jesus the Messiah? They had a revelation. It's from spending time in the presence of God. It's from spending time in prayer. And they held that baby in their hands and recognized him. This is the Messiah. And they prophesied over him. And he grew up in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. This is what happened. And they are in the Bible. 2,000 years later, we're still speaking about Simeon and Anna. They're in the Bible. So we read about them. And at home, our bookshelves are full of books on prayer and great authors and some contemporary, some from way back when. There are libraries filled with books on prayer. And so to try and speak about personal prayer in a matter of 26 minutes is just about impossible. So I want you to please bear with me as I've just tried to reduce this huge subject, this huge task. Into, I'm putting it into two categories just for the sake of time. So first of all, personal prayer is um, includes requests and relationship. Requests and relationship. And 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15 says this. Can you see it, okay? it says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we request anything according to his will, he hears us. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. This is foundational. There's nothing wrong with coming to God and asking him for what you have need of. In fact, stop wishful thinking and start articulating what you have need of, and speak, present your requests. And that scripture says we have confidence. We can have confidence before God that he hears our prayers, that he hears our prayers. Father God is a good father. He's a good father, and he responds to his children. He responds to them. And I'm going to throw out a couple of scriptures they're not coming up on the screen, but these are just standard scriptures. They are so basic. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Ask. Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. What we have need of? Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. And it's not just about meeting our physical needs. It's not just about what I'm eating, what I'm what car I'm driving? Where I'm living? But God meets our emotional needs. He meets our spiritual needs. Hebrews four sixteen says, "Let us therefore come boldly, boldly." How can we come boldly to the throne of grace? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can come boldly. Don't we fear God? Yes, we fear God, but we can come boldly into His very presence because of the because of the. Light the blood that Jesus has shed. We can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help when? In time of need. In time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need, whether that's financial, whether that's physical, whether that's emotional, whether it's relational, whatever your time of need might be. I don't know about you. You look like you've all got it together. But I tell you what, I don't. I have need in my life and I need stuff. I need not just stuff. I need, I have emotional needs. I have spiritual needs. I have physical needs. I have emotional needs. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. Do you know what? Even in times of strong emotion, in times of strong emotion, when at times, man, maybe your fuse is short. <laughs> um, we had fun here on Friday night with the movie night. I tell you what, it was pandemonium. <laughs> it was absolute pandemonium in here. And my fuse goes short because of misbehaving kids. They went they went, They went wild but you know what? I can take that strong emotion. I'm not perfect, okay, in case anybody wondered, but I'm not perfect, but I can take that strong emotion, and I can bring it before God, and I can say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. I need you. This is my time of need. I need help. I need help. If you're feeling sad, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling washed out, whatever that strong emotion is God will meet your need if that is in your time of need. But let's come to the throne of grace. Even in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, whatever the time of need is, we can come before God. Maybe you're experiencing fear, anxiety, depression, panic attacks. These are common things nowadays. Panic attacks are Common everyday occurrences for for some. That's our time of need. We come before God, even in the midst of them. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, prayer, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests, your requests, be made known to God. Matthew 6 says, to your father. Let your requests, you know what, there's nothing too small, there's nothing too big, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. You know, he's not so busy with um, the war in the Ukraine, the floods in Libya, that you're insignificant. You are significant to God. He wants to meet your needs. He is a good, good father, but we need to ask him if we can, cares, if we're carrying concerns. 1 Peter 7 says, let us cast our cares onto him. Cast our cares. Let's come boldly to the throne of grace even when we sin. There's the three-letter word. Sin. When we sin, let us come boldly. Let's not run from God. Let us run to him. You know, you look at the life of David. David this king, this started off as a shepherd boy, became king of Israel. He committed adultery and murder. And yet God says he's a man after my own heart. Why? Because he repented. Because he had a heart towards God. And he sinned. He went before God. And he said, yes, <laughs> I've had um, Bathsheba's husband killed and I've committed adultery, but God, it's against you, and you only have our sinned, creating me a clean heart, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let's, You know what? We all fall at some time or another. There's not one of us that is perfect. There's not one of us in this room that got it all together, not one of us, but when we sin, Let's run to God. David took responsibility for his sin. He didn't say, oh, well, I'm human. I'm making an excuse now. I'm only human. No, he took responsibility. He acknowledged the sin, and he repented. He repented. So we can come before God at any time, day and night, and we can present our requests. And now I want to get on to the better part. Are you okay with so far? Is everyone still with me? Okay? You're all still here. You haven't gone home yet. Okay, so second point, my second point, relationship. This is, what, this is where I want to get to. You know what? Apart from our salvation, the most, God's greatest desire for us is intimacy. God's greatest desire for you and for me is intimacy. And it's in times of intimacy that's where we know who God is for ourselves. Not what someone else says, not what um, the TV says, not what some well-known preacher says, not even what Andy Elm says, but what God says. Psalm 73 says, it is good for me to draw near to God. It is good for me. You know what? I can tell when Chris has been with the Lord. I can tell he's had a good quiet time. Man, it shows. (laughs) It shows. It's good for me to draw close to God. Spending time with him is good for us. He's not going to push himself onto us. He's not going to do it. The Bible says we first draw near to him, and then he will draw close to us. And as we draw close to him in prayer, through the word, as we do these things, we learn more about him. A quote by a woman called Teresa of a, of a villa. She was a Carmelite nun in the 1500s. And she said this this is a quote of hers. She said, Prayer is an intimate sharing between friends. Prayer is an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with Him who we know loves us. Taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. I want to I encourage everybody here today. Start slowing down. Slow down. Slow down for union with God. Slow down for time of intimacy with God. Slow down for that loving union. I've, I read this quote. I heard it the other day. And it says, as a guy called Pete. He heads up 24-7 prayer. And he said these words. He says, May the gravity of material things be lightened. May the gravity of material things be lightened, and the relativity of time, slow down, allow the relativity of time to slow down, it's time for us to slow down, not in terms of church, stuff like that, but personal, it's time for us to slow down, resist the temptation to rush, (sighs) Resist the temptation to rush. Take time with God. Take time with God. Prayer is an intimate sharing between friends. We sing a song um, about God. He's our good father, our closest friend. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. But we need to have time with him. We need to spend time with him. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this in Philippians. Well, he didn't write this in Philippians. He wrote this to the church in Philippi, Philippians 3.10. Uh, in the Amplified, he says this, For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may know him. You know what? <laughs> I don't know diddly squat about God. I'm still learning, and I don't believe we've even touched the surface of who God is. My my determined purpose is that I may know him. This is a guy, the Apostle Paul, who was a blasphemer, he, he, he was persecuting Christians. He was having them put away in prison for their faith until he had an encounter with Jesus on the, on the road to Damascus. And that encounter changed his life. And for 13 years, he sat studying, hearing from God, getting downloads from God about life in the Spirit, about the new creation, about who we are when we're born again, how we're posi- we seated, how we're positioned in heavenly pl- places. This is the Apostle Paul that says, I don't know him. I need to know him more. I need to know more about him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. You know what? God is closer than the air you breathe. God is closer than the air we breathe. We've got to know who he is. And the Bible says, pour out your heart to him. Pour out your heart. Just be real before God. You don't have to speak to him in Elizabethan. Okay, just so that you know, you, oh dearest, thou fatherest, we don't have to speak, just be real. Be you. Be you. Don't try and be Andy Elms. Don't be Joyce Meyer. Don't be any great preacher person. Just be you. And just pour out your heart to him. Tell him how much you need him. Tell him how much you want him, how much you're relying on him. Tell him how much you love him. Use worship, use the word, use whatever means possible. But just get before God and allow the relativity of time to slow down. Just allow it to slow down, but be vulnerable. Be willing to be vulnerable. Be willing to cry. Be willing to mess up your mascara, ladies. Be transparent be humble. Be real. Don't come before him. God, you know who I am. Aren't you glad I'm on your team? Uh, No, be humble. Be real. what the message says in Matthew 6. It says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Don't be tempted to role play. Don't Don't be tempted. It says this in the message. In other words, don't be someone else. Just be you. So I'm going to just dig into the scripture now. That's my introduction. Okay, so Matthew 6, verse 6, Chris. But you, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who's in the secret place. Go into your room and shut the door. It speaks of positioning yourself. It's positioning yourself. Go into your room. Uh, the message says, find a quiet, secluded place. You know what, some, some people can go and sit on a park bench and have people walking past and that's fine and that's where they can have their time. I can't do that. I'm easily distracted. I'm very easily distracted. I find personally routine helps me. I am a very routiney kind of person. So I've got my spot. That's my spot. That's my chair. That's where I pray every day. And I find familiarity with surroundings helps me. So suddenly if I'm in an unfamiliar surroundings, I get very easily distracted and I want to see what's going on around me. But if I find... Um, if I'm in the same spot, I become less distracted. But find out what hap- what works for you. Find out what suits your wiring. Maybe you can sit at the beach and watch the sea and pour out your heart to God and draw close to Him. Maybe you can. There's nothing. I'm not saying you can't. You can. It's up to you. But what works for you, okay? And then he goes on and he says, "Go into, your- shut the door, shut the door." So key, that's so, key. you know what, we are a distracted and fragmented people. We are all over the place, and I think we're raising our children even more so with, you know, there's, there's just, everything is vying for our attention all the time, but we need to be focused on the object of our prayers, God. Let's be focused on the object of our prayers. We look, at, look at the life of Mary and Martha. Mary sat at, at the feet of Jesus, the Bible says, and she heard his word. We've got to put ourselves in a position to hear the word of God, to hear what he's saying. Listen to what God, is. it's not all just speak, speak, speak. It's communicating, it's listening as well. But Martha distracted with much serving, with much serving, be present where you are. Hebrews chapter 12 says looking away from all that will distract us, looking away, we need to shut the door, lay aside all those things that we carry, like like Dami was sharing during the worship, lay aside the weights, lay aside the anxieties, lay aside, you can tell him about them, but don't carry them into them, into, with you, let them go, leave them, just put them at the foot of the cross, do whatever you need to do, but just lay your anxieties, your cares, your burdens down, whether it's whether it's pain, whether it's bruise, whether it's a habit, whether it's sin, whether it's a Add memory, whatever it might be, just lay it down at the foot of the cross and, and just be present with God. Devices, where's my phone? Praise God, I can't even find it. Get rid of social media. You know what? I have now created, I've had to create in my own life a framework that Necessary for my own well-being. I've had to create a, a framework that's necessary. My phone is on 24-7 and I've actually had to discipline myself to say, quiet time. My time with God is my time with God. I will not even take my phone in the room with me. Even if I want to look up a message, look up a scripture." Well, guess what? Just rely on the Bible and the knowledge that you have. Leave the phone alone. Switch off social media. Switch off the news. Switch off the radio. Do they still get radios? Do you have radios, an actual radio where you dial it? No? Well, anyway, turn the radio off. Whatever it is that it can distract, just, just switch it off. But I've even created a time from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., I do not answer messages. I don't bother because I'm not going to answer them. I just refuse. Because the minute a message comes through, you've, you've got to answer it. It's almost immediate. The expectation is you've got to answer it. Well, it's just a I'm sorry, but no, no more. 8pm to 8am, my phone is off. It's on, but I won't. I won't respond. Sundays, I stay away from my computer. It's the only day I stay away because the minute I'm there, there's things I need to do. No, but this is just me, okay? This is the thing that I'm working through, but I have to create my own framework. And I'm no one special. I believe this is for everybody. Whatever it is that distracts you, put it aside, put it aside. There's loads of other bits that I wanted to add, but I'm not going to. But what I do want to talk about, just I want to end with this. I've got so much there. I've got so much here. I just want to give a bit of a snapshot about the life of Jesus. You know what? In Matthew 14, I think it's such a fast-moving scripture. We see in the life of Jesus, um, John the Baptist had just been beheaded. John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin, and he'd just been beheaded, and Jesus had been told that his cousin had been murdered, had been beheaded. And um, you think, okay, yeah, all right, we know that. No, but hang on a sec. When Jesus came to this earth, he lay aside his deity. He lay aside his deity. He walked this earth as a man anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit. He feels what you feel. If you've lost a relative recently, he understands your pain. He understands your grief. He understands what you're going through. He understands it. So in Matthew 14, we're just, they're not coming up on the screen, but the Bible says in Matthew 14 that when Jesus heard it, he heard that his cousin had been beheaded. The Bible says, departed from there by boat to a deserted place. By himself. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He deserted he went to a deserted place by himself. You think, okay, praise God, Jesus is going to get alone with the Father, and he did. But what happens as well though is the people followed him. They followed him. It's like, give him some space, people. He needs to mourn, he needs to grieve, he needs to go and get strengthened from the Father. The very next verse, verse 14, it says that when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion and he healed them all. From the presence of God, from in one verse, he is moved with compassion and he heals them and ministers to them. Straight after that, he goes and feeds about 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Where did that come from? He was walking this earth as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit, because he had spent time with the Father. There's something about that secret place. Go into your room. Shut the door shut the door, give God your attention. So Jesus fed five, 15,000 people, and then he sent his disciples away in a boat, and the Bible says, verse 23, he sent the multitude away, and he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. So he's been there a number of hours, and now it's night time, and Jesus is up on the mountain. And when the disciples were out at sea, there arose a great storm. There arose a great storm. And sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus walked on water. He had been up on a mountain, spending time with the Father when the storm arose. He was spent the whole night. With the Father. The Bible says in the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m., He walked on water. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to spend time with the Father, how much more we do. You know what? God loves you, He loves you, and He wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you, even on the worst day of your life. Even on the worst day, he wants to spend time with you. It's not, prayer is not something we have to do. It's something we love to do. It's something we love to do. It's the most refreshing time of the day. I'd encourage you, make it first thing in the morning. Meet with God before you meet with the devil. That's what I think. And pray as you can, not as you can't. Just pray as you can. Just be real for him. I love this quote by Richard Foster. Real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. Just fall in love with Jesus. Just fall in love with God all over again. That's what real prayer is, because that's when you can just pour out your heart. Say, Lord, I love you. You are worthy. You are worthy of praise. I'm going to end this that one of the most important aspects of spending time with God, spend time with him in the word. Get to know God, word of God. Don't try and create a God how you think he should be. Spend time in the word, get an understanding of who he is. And this is something that I, is part of my framework, um, incorporate in my daily life, is that I Receive a word from God. Sometimes it's for a day. Sometimes it's for a week. Sometimes it's for two weeks. But I get, uh, they're called breath prayers. And take something out of your time with the Lord, your personal time. Take it into the day with you. Take it into your day with you. We, We don't just sort of compartmentalize him and say, okay, This is your time, Lord. Ten minutes, okay? Be quick. No, no, no. Slow down. Slow down for loving reunion, for loving union with God. And get a word from God. And it just needs to be three words. Just three or four words. My word this week come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you, for my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. But it was those words. They caught my attention. Come to me. Throughout the day, throughout the day, on the worst days, I've had a really horrible week. Okay, I'm just saying it out there. I've had a terrible week. That word carried me. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Could be anything. My peace I leave with you. My peace I leave with you. Be strong and courageous. Any Whatever God is speaking to you, carry it into your day and pray it during the day. Pray it during the day. Breath prayers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, that first and foremost, we, are, we can have boldness to enter into the very presence of God. Thank you, Lord, for times of refreshing in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we can, we can pour out our hearts to you, that we can be real to you, Lord, that we can love on you and tell you how desperate we are for you. How much we love you. How much we need you, Lord. Have your way in our, in our prayer time, Lord. Lord, would you teach us how to pray. Lord, would you teach us your ways. Lord, would you, we invite you afresh into our lives today. Lord, Holy Spirit, breathe fresh life the breath of life into our prayer time, into our time with you. And we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. I just want to ask everybody, just keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. Nobody's looking around. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today, he's drawing you. You've heard about his incredible love that he has for you, his desire to speak to you, his desire to bless you. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. You say, I don't know, don't know all the answers. I don't want, I'm i not a religious person. That's good. God's not looking for religion. He's looking for a relationship. That's what it's all about. He's looking for a relationship. So just while every eye is closed, every head bowed, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, would you give me the privilege of praying for you? Would you raise your hand and let me pray for you? Let me include you in my prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray. pray Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sin. I thank you, Lord, that you make us new creatures in Christ. We receive you afresh in our hearts today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that, the, that, that we are washed in the blood of Jesus, that the old has gone, the new has come. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you give us words to, 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 to magnify you, words to glorify you, and words to carry Into our everyday lives. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.